Good evening and welcome to Step by Step Walking into Your Destiny. And on this Sunday evening, the 23rd of June, we are on session five of Hearing the Voice of God. I'd like to thank everyone for joining in with us on this evening. And I'm going to ask if you would like to give your name. Um, This is a session where you can get credit. And if you give your name, we will add your name to the roster. I'm Bishop Angela Young and Elder Lee Young from Black Mountain, North Carolina. Pastor Olivia from Fort Collins, Colorado. Minister Peggy Ortiz, Fort Collins, Colorado. Christina from Fort Collins, Colorado. Amen. Okay. So we just like to thank everyone for joining in on today. I'm going to ask um, Pastor Christina, if you're available, can you lead us in an opening prayer, please? Yes, ma'am. All right, thank you, Father, for this beautiful day, Lord, that you have given us and just for gathering us here, Father, to hear your word today, Lord. We just thank you for everything that you have for us, Lord, and that you just prepare our hearts and the minds to receive your word, Lord, that you may be able to hide it in our hearts that we may not sin against you, Lord. And as we come before you, Father, just repenting of our sins, knowing and unknowing before you, Lord, as we want to enter into your presence and have you be here, Lord, with us in the presence, Lord, and just teaching us and guiding us your principles, your words, and your precepts, Lord. We just bless your holy name, and we just thank you for who you are and what you do for us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Today, in session five of Hearing the Voice of God, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We're going to be talking about listening for God in music and dance. Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the heavens of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to the abundance of his greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with the flute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with stringed and wind instruments of flutes. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with loud crashing cymbals. Let everything that hath breath and every breath of life praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to share with you an insert. This weekend, we'll be listening to various types of music to enhance our listening for God. And this is going to be a part of your assignment. And to um, experience worship. How many of you all have actually experienced worship? 
Has anyone experienced worship? That's a question. Yes. 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 So we know that there's power of music. There's power in music. This is a way we, we worship and we praise the Lord. And there's power of music in scripture. First Samuel 16 and 16 says, let our Lord now command your servants here before you to find a man who plays skillfully in the lyre. And when the evil spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. Saul told his servants, find me a man who plays well and bring him to me. One of the young men said, I have seen a son of Jesse who plays skillfully, a valiant man, a man of war, prudent in speech and eloquent, an attractive person, and the Lord is with him. And when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it. So Saul was refreshed and became well, and the evil spirit left him. And that, again, that's First Samuel 16 and 16. John Sebastian Bach lived from 1685 to 1750. Bach died in 1750. Yet 250 years after his death, his music is playing a key role in evangelizing Japan, one of the most secularized nations in the world. Just before his death, his last work, The Art of the Fugue, remains incomplete. Bach now, blind from two botched operations, no longer had the strength to pull together its various themes to a perfect ending. He dictated to his son-in-law a powerful last choral. Before thy throne I come herewith. And then he departed. Many believe that the Holy Spirit himself wrote it using Bach's hand. Masashi Masuda told me how Bach first aroused his interest in Christianity. Something about the music prompted me to probe into its spiritual origins. Masuda is now a Jesu priest in Tokyo. Masuda says Bach is a vehicle of the Holy Spirit. Although less than 1% of the 127 million Japanese are Christians, 8 to 10% sympathize with this religion. Most of these have their first contact with Christianity through box music. So what does that tell us? That tells us that the Lord can use whom he chooses, whom he will. Any willing vessel. A young Japanese student listens to box cantata whose lyrics explain that God's real name is above. This has taught me that these words mean to Christians, she explained, and I like it so much that I play this record whenever I can. Two-thirds of all Japanese profess no religion. However, 
of this vast majority, 70% deem religion important for society. Excuse me. Yet Buddhism and Shintoism, Japan's traditional faiths, that's Buddhism and Shintoism, have long lost their credibility. This spiritual crisis manifests itself in many ways. No other country produces as many and as much pornography as Japan. Nearly half the world's smut is made there. Suicide rates rose from 23,000 in 1996 to 32,000 in 1998. 60% of the population admit to being afraid every day. Most fear bringing shame on their families, teachers, or superiors by falling and failing at work or in school. People need hope. But that is an alien idea here, says the renowned organist Masaki Suzuki, founder of the Bach Collegiums in Japan. He is the driving force behind the Bach boom sweeping Japan. Our language does not even have an appropriate word for hope, Suzuki says. We either use Ibo, meaning desire, or Nozomi, which describes something unattainable. After Bach's performances, Suzuki is crowded by non-Christian audience members who wish to talk about topics normally taboo in Japanese society, death, for example, and they inevitably ask me to explain what hope means to Christians. Suzuki sees himself as a missionary. I am spreading Bach's message, which is a biblical one. He calls Bach's music the fifth gospel. A member of the Reformed Church, Suzuki makes sure his musicians, mostly non-Christians, get that point. During rehearsals, he teaches them scripture. He believes Bach has already converted tens of thousands of Japanese to the Christian faith. How is it possible that melodies and rhythms from 18th century Germany should please people of an entirely alien culture thousands of miles to the east? Tokyo musicologists have come up with an astonishing answer. Bach's appeal is linked to a Spaniard's first attempt to evangelize their ancestries 450 years ago. In 1549, Spanish Jesuit Francis Xavier became the first Christian missionary to Japan. The Jesuit and Franciscan fathers baptized 20% of its population. But in 1587, the shogun, Hideyoshi, expelled all missionaries and a murderous persecution followed. Believers were crucified, burned at the stake, tortured to death. 
1998, few Japanese were aware of this aspect of their history. When an art gallery was opened to commemorate the 450th anniversary of Francis Xavier's arrival to Japan, the enormous crowds were horrified by the cruelties. Western music managed to survive the persecution. The Jesuits had introduced Gregorian chant to Japan and built organs from bamboo pipes. By the time Christianity was totally outlawed, elements of Gregorian chant had infiltrated Japan's traditional folk music. Why is Bach so popular among the Japanese? Bach gives us hope when we are afraid. He gives us courage when, when we are in despair. He comforts us when we are tired. He makes us pray when we are sad. And he makes us sing when we are full of joy. So the Holy Spirit used Bach and inspired him with music. And this music ministers to these individuals. Upon each of his works, Bach inscribed SDG, shorthand for Soli Dio Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Little could he have imagined the purposes God had for his work even hundreds of years after his death. This makes me want to listen to Bach. What about you? You know, I've, I've, for you all that don't know, um, I played music in school. I played the alto saxophone in, in school. I started, I think I was in like the sixth grade. Um, and, um, I actually started in the marching band early, um, myself and my friend Lisa, um, and Lisa was a couple of years older than myself, but we played in the band and then I ended up playing in concert band, all state, uh, the marching band. And even after I let the saxophone go, as I began a closer walk with the Lord and the Lord ministered to me, I prayed and I asked the Lord for the gift to hear in the music realm. And even now, if I'm, I'm in worship, I can sit down at a keyboard and I can play by ear. If I listen and I seek the Lord, he will show me how to play. And that just goes to show you, if you have a willing heart that's in tune to God, you can do anything to lead others to Christ. Um, and there are several other individuals that God had used um, all across the world, um, to minister in all types of nations, countries, you know, the Lord, his presence is everywhere. And his, um, he had told us that his word was spread all across the universe, across the, the whole world. And so this is very true. And scripture is full of instruction regarding as well, dance as a form of praise and worship. Some of these references might be overlooked without knowledge of the Hebrew and Greek words. Scripture examples in Hebrew words which describe in detail acceptable forms of worship. 
And I'm going to give you a few scriptures. And for you all that um, would like a copy of these scriptures, I can. If you have a cell phone, we all have been having, well, quite a few of us have been having issues with our printers and uh, fax machines. And I don't know, something is going on with that. However, I have learned how to screenshot information and I can forward it to you on your phone in that type of way. If you would like some of the information, I can download it through my my phone. But here's just a couple of scriptures, some scriptures I'm going to um, give to you. Psalms 149 and 3. Let us praise his name in the dance. Hallel is a primary root word in Hebrew meaning to be close, shine, boast, show, rave, celebrate, clamorously, be foolish. First Samuel 1, 2 and 1. My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. Elots to jump for joy, be joyful, rejoice, triumph. Zephaniah 3 and 17. The Lord will joy over thee with singing. Jivai to spin around under the influence of any violent emotion. Be glad, be joyful, rejoice. Second Samuel 6 and 16. King David ushered in the presence of the Lord with dancing and praise and was seen leaping and dancing before the Lord. Nathar, to jump, leap, let loose, make move, undo. This same word is also used in Psalm 146 and 7. The Lord sets the prisoners free. First Chronicles 15:29. Michael saw David dancing and celebrating. Meshal, a round dance, dancing. This word is also used in Psalm 150 and 4. Praise him with a tambourine and dancing. Second Samuel 6, 14. David wearing a linen ephod. Dance before the Lord with all his might. Karar, to dance, whirl. David held nothing back in ushering in the presence of the Lord. Second Chronicles 6 and 13, when Solomon dedicated the temple, he stood on the platform and then knelt down before the whole assembly of Israel, Barak, to kneel, to bless God, an act of adoration. Kneel down, pray, salute, thank. Zechariah 14 and 18, the Lord Order survivors from all the nations to go yearly to worship the king. The Lord will bring a plague that that do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles, Chagog, to move in a circle, to march in a sacred procession, to observe a festival, to be giddy, celebrate, dance, keep. Hold a solemn feast to reel to and fro. Isaiah 38, 18 and 19. King Hezekiah's words. For the grace cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. 
yada, to hold out the hand, to rever, or, or to rever or worship, praise, shout, give thanksgiving. Jonah to a nine. Jonah prays for inside from inside the fish, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Toda, an extension of the hand, a statement of affirmation, adoration, a choir of worshipers, confession, sacrifice of praise and offering. Exodus 33 and 10. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud, they all stood in worship, Shabbat, to prostrate in homage of royalty or God. Bow self down, fall down flat, humbly beseech to obsience a movement of the body expressing deep respect or courtesy. Do reverence, make to stoop worship. Scriptures and Greek worship words. Revelations 19 and 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Agalio. To jump for joy, exult. Be exceedingly glad with exceeding joy. Rejoice greatly. And I can hear some people say, I'm not doing that. There's no way I would do that. Well, you know, pride will prevent you. And when you are free in worship with the Lord, when you have a relationship, it goes back to relationship. You can let go of yourself. You can let go of self because you're not focused on yourself. You're focused on him, the one, the one who saved you. The one who gave his life for you. The one who delivered you and set you free from the hands of the enemy. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, who he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Luke fifteen twenty five. When the older brother came near, he heard music and dancing. Charos, a ring around dancing, choir dancing. John 4 and 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth. Proscunio, to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand, to fawn or crouch, to prostrate oneself in homage, do reverence, adore, worship. Luke 6 and 23, Rejoice in the day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. Skirtio, to skip, to jump, move as the quickening of a fetus, leap for joy. Any of you all that have been pregnant, expecting a baby, you know, I don't know if you can remember the first time you felt your baby move. It could be just a little quiver or it, it just be, you know, like, you know, just, well, just a flutter. And then the next thing you know, it's getting a little harder and it'll start moving a little faster. Luke. Matthew 11 and 17, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. Or my a row or ring to dance from the rank like a regular motion. Luke 19 and 6. 
And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Cairo, calmly happy to be cheerful or well off, a salutation on meeting or greeting. And John twelve forty three, for they loved the praise from men more than praise from God. Doxa, glorified dignity, glorious honor, praise and worship. And then lastly, Colossians 2 and 15. And having disarmed the power and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Theombo, to make exclamatory procession, to conquer or to give victory, to triumph over. And like I said, if you just let me know, I will I can send you um, those uh, scriptures with the definitions to them. Are there any questions, comments? Hello. Yes, we're here. Okay. All right. So we will continue. We're going to talk about dance, banners, and music. Dancing. David wearing a linen ephod. Danced before the Lord with all his might. 2 Samuel 6 and 14. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Ecclesiastes 3 and 4. So there's a time for everything. Everything. There's a time to to weep. There's a time to mourn. A time to laugh. A time to cry. Banners. Lifting up. How many of you all know what a banner is, first of all? Yes. Pastor O, I heard you say yes. yes. Can you explain? Well, a banner, um, there's two different kinds. There's a kind that you... Uh, way there's mm-hmm. a kind that just hang. It could be uh, uh, the kind that you just hold and you carry, and some of them uh, have uh, writing on them. Mm-hmm. And according to the music, you would wave the banner. According to the music, the way the the Holy Spirit leads you. Amen. Banners lifting a banner is an outward demonstration of what we feel inside. It is a way to lift up God in our midst. We use banners to minister to the Lord. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. We confer honor on God with these instruments of praises. We use banners both to worship and to war. We want to lift up the name of Jesus and praise the name of the Lord. And we want to release a message into the heavenlies declaring his victory over our lives. And those we pray for because Jesus is being lifted up. Jesus became a banner for us. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. John 12, 
and 32. At the crucifixion, Jesus became the banner and the cross became the pole. The word banner is sometimes interchanged with the word flag, standard or ensign. Flag is a cloth usually bearing emblems or figures that gleam from afar to raise a beacon. We will sing for joy over your victory. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Psalms 20 and 5. He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. For love waved as a protecting and comforting banner over my head when I was near him. Song of Songs 2 and 4. Waving banners is a form of communication. Angels are aware of our communication with the Lord, as are the demons. So as a result of the Messiah's intervention, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put him to flight. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the, which the breath of the Lord drives. And that's Isaiah 59 and 19. We have mouths, hands and feet that can be used to praise the Lord. So you can, you can use your mouth. Hallelujah. You can use your hands and you can use your feet to praise the Lord. Everything that has breath. You hear the birds. You ever wake up in the morning before you can even open your eyes. You hear the birds singing. Sometimes they start singing before the sun rises. And they're praising the Lord. They're chirping. They're singing. They're praising the Lord. Sometimes you can hear the squirrels and the, the nature outside praising the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to, is there any questions about banners? And at some point I would really like to hold a um, praise and worship seminar and teach uh, even in more um, in intensity on praise and worship and the art of the dance, which is one of our um, courses, course is a part of the course outline of the um, mentoring and educational programs of the New Mercies um, School of Mentorship and Educational Programs. The Art of the Dance, um, we go into detail about the Art of the Dance. We actually make banners. We show you how to make the banners, what they, the types of banners to make in warfare, the types of flags to make in warfare. And so at some point, I'm, I'm just praying that the Lord will um, give us uh, when to go on with that, Pastor Olivia. And um, some things you 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 don't use a sewing machine. Some things you do by hand. It's whatever the Lord requires. It's whatever he wants. Some people do it on a sewing machine. Some people do it by hand. Because it's a process that you go through the worship. The praise and worship begins before you even get them made. 
um, and he shows you what colors, what to do and how to go about doing it. It's really um, awesome. So at some point, I'm praying that we will get to uh, to do that in uh, in more depth. I'm going to talk to you for a few more minutes about spirit language, uh, which is a process of the praise and worship. Uh, the nature of God, spirit language, the nature of God. God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. John four and 24. See my hands and my feet that it is I myself touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Luke 24 and 39. To the kings of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. First Timothy 1 and 17. God is invisible and immaterial. The nature of man. God created man. In his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Genesis 1, 27a and Genesis 2 and 7. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians 5 and 23. And the dust returns to the earth as it was. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7. God gave man a spirit. Spirit ears. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. That's very important. First Corinthians 2 and 14, because sometimes we wonder why people can't grasp the connection in the spirit, why they don't understand. Go to first Corinthians two and 14, because the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly. In other words, they think it's foolish to him and he is not able. See, to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Remember the scriptures. A lot of times you hear he that hath an ear to hear. Let them hear what the spirit is saying to the church. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Romans 8 and 16. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. First Corinthians 14 and 14. We understand God through our minds, but we communicate with God through our spirit. 
spirit to spirit. The voice of God. They were all worshiping the Lord and giving up eating for a certain time. During this time, the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to do a special work for which I have chosen them. Acts 13 and 2. Hearing God means learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. So with spirit language, we just talked about the nature of God, the nature of man, spirit ears, the voice of God. Now, spirit talk. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are not they are spiritually discerned. In other words, they are spiritually discerned. Hearing God's Hearing God requires having a spiritual understanding and connection with God and our spirit. Um, and I, if I didn't give that scripture, it was first Corinthians two, first Corinthians chapter two, verses nine through 14, where it talks about spirit talk. And then there's spirit words. Okay. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables, indeed. He said nothing to them without a parable. Matthew 13 and 34. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. John 6, 63. The logic of the emotional mind is associative it takes elements that symbolize a reality or trigger a memory of it to be the same as that reality. That is why similes, metaphors, and images speak directly to the emotional mind, as do the arts, novels, film, poetry, song, theater, opera. Great spiritual teachers like Jesus have touched their disciples' hearts by speaking in the language of emotion, teaching in parables, fables, and stories. Indeed, religious symbol and ritual makes little sense from the rational point of view. It is couched in the vernacular of the heart. 
And that's from Daniel Goleman, Emotional Intelligence. Man's ultimate concern must be expressed symbolically because symbolic language alone is able to express the ultimate. We must be willing to hear God on his terms. Now, here's some different ways of hearing. If you have a pencil or a pen, you might want to write these down because we're talking about hearing the voice of God. So we've got some different ways of hearing for God does speak now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. Job 33 and 14. So we're going to, we're getting, I'm getting ready to tell you the ways that the Lord speaks. Okay. Visually. How visually? Dreams, visions, and internal imagery. Auditory. Some people hear words in their mind. Sensing. Other people have a knowing in their spirit. You know how some people say, I just, I just know it. I just sense something. Other people have a knowing in their spirit. And then the next one is feeling. Some people feel a feeling. I don't mean like actually where you can touch and feel. It's a part of the sensory mechanism. Like it's an inner inside, not on the outside. And then the next one is olfactory. Some people smell scents. And I can I can attest to that. Some people smell um, there's an odor or, or their sense of smell. Tuning in. If anyone believes in me, rivers of living water will flow out from that person's heart. As the scripture says, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. The spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been raised to glory. But later, those who believed in Jesus would receive the spirit. John seven thirty eight and 39. The natural language of religion is analogy, symbol and story. Over half of the Judeo-Christian scriptures consist of parables, psalms, dreams, and prophet visions. These are ultimately all forms of symbols. God cannot be contained in linear thought forms. This is why we need imagination. We need a sanctified imagination intuition, ability to feel, to tap into the flow of the Holy Spirit. And there's a need, the need to shift our focus. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. 
The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. John 5 and 19. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Oh, Lord, open his eyes so he may see. The Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And that's Second Kings 6, 15 through 17. Hearing God requires a paradigm shift. The struggle to understand. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will, has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is filled, fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes otherwise they might see with their eyes hear with their ears understand with their hearts and turn and i would heal them but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear matthew 13 9 through 16 God often speaks so as to reveal and conceal the need to check it out. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep Follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. John 10, 2 through 5, because we don't always hear perfectly, perfectly. We need to check out what we think that we have heard. We can hear three voices. Are you ready?
we can hear three voices. God's voice is one. Satan's voice and our heart's voice. So we hear, we can hear three voices. God's voice, Satan's voice, and our heart's voice. The heart is above, is deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt. Who can understand it? Jeremiah 17 and 9. Peter said, Ananias, why did you let Satan rule your thoughts to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep for yourself part of the money you received for the land? Acts 5 and 3. Becoming like a child. At the time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the people who are wise and smart. But you have shown them to those who are like little children. Matthew 11 and 25. Thank you, Lord. Did you get that last scripture? Matthew eleven twenty five, becoming like a child. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 18 and 3. God and the child. Speak the same language. You can pray while you work. Work doesn't stop prayer. And prayer doesn't stop work. It requires only that small raising of mind to him. I love you, God. I trust you. I believe in you. I need you now. Small things like that. They are wonderful prayers. And that's a saying from Mother Teresa. Check it out. There's a couple of things I want you to check out, okay? If you feel that God is speaking to you, here are some good questions to ask yourself about what you believe you have heard. How do we discern the difference between our own thoughts and his voice? First, we compare what we have heard against the word of God, the Bible. Does it line up with the Bible? Is it consistent with God's story? For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Hebrews 4 and 12. Second, we need to consider what effect it would have on our life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5 22 and 23. Does it lead you to a closer relationship with God, a greater unity with him? Does it lead you to a dying of self and a greater manifestation of Christ's life in you?
Does it cause a greater humility in you and a greater dependence upon God? Does it cause greater love, joy, and peace from God in you? Next, we need to check it out with other mature Christians. Do other mature Christians agree with what you believe you heard from God? Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. First Corinthians 14 and 29. Hearing the voice of God. There's an exercise. And it's it's. Spirit language, doorkeeper of the heart, and ministry experience. When you hear things, and this is just, you can do it on your own recognizance, on your own time. Spirit language, doorkeeper of the heart, and ministry experience. Now, one says, wow, this really touched my heart. The next one, interesting and presented well. The next one is good. The next one is fair. And the next one, I didn't like it. In your everyday walk, I want you to do this exercise. And these are the things. One is I didn't like it. Two, fair. Three is good. Four is interesting and presented well. And five, wow, this really touched my heart. This is going to help you to be able to discern if you're really hearing the voice of God. And when we come back the next time, I want you to just write it down on a piece of paper. One is I didn't like it. Okay. And you heard how you hear. I mean, I just got through telling you different ways you hear his voice. Okay. There's what and, and who it is that you hear speaking. It's either three voices you hear. It's either the Lord or who? Y'all tell me. Satan. Satan or who else? Who's the other one? Or your heart. And remember what the scripture that says about the heart. The heart is what? What does it say about the heart? Deceitful. And above all things, desperately wicked. Okay, so we we pretty much know where we got who we got to listen to, right? You know, you don't you you're not gonna listen to Satan, but he's very cunning and crafty, and he'll try to justify things for you to listen to. He's very cunning. He comes through. He travels. That that's what I one of the ways I I, I would teach person uh, uh, a noun. Is a person, place, a thing. Okay? You know your noun. You know your pronoun. You know what a verb and adverb verb is. Okay? He only travels in a certain route. He's got to have a way to travel. And you know what a verb does. A verb what? What does a verb do? Describes what? A verb and an adjective. 
Look, they say Bishop's teaching us English now. Anyway, um, what I'm trying to say is the the thief comes to steal. He has to have a way to, to do it. A route to come. Person, he comes through persons, places, things, circumstances, situations. That's how he does. That's his way of transport. Just remember that. Now, that's all I have today. We are finished today. And we have actually done session five and six. I was um, wondering if if we would get complete that, but we did today. So the next session will be session seven. And we're going to talk some more about hearing the voice of God through scripture. You be the judge. We're going to do some full engagement, different ways to understand God's word, uh, biblical meditation and steps to biblical meditation, scriptural meditation, meditation, windows of scripture. And then we're going to do a couple of scripture exercises on the next session. And we're going to talk about um, hearing God in nature, in nature. And why listen for the voice of God in nature? How to listen, steps to hear God in nature, a better view of his greatness. So we're going to cover this in the nature journaling sample. So we're going to talk about doing your journaling sample. Um, and we'll see how far we go. And then we're going to do some more, uh, go into a prop, uh, talk about prophecy. Um, and, um, who can prophesy the purpose of prophecy. Um, so we're getting close to the end. I truly thank God for your attentiveness and your commitment and, uh, obedience as we have, um, taken on this task. Um, I pray that it will continue to be a blessing to you. And if you know of anyone that would like to uh, to listen in on this part of the sessions, I don't know when I will be offering it again. It may be um, in September. We'll just have to talk about it. Um, but if you know anyone that's interested in the hearing the voice of God seminars um, and they would like to receive the training to uh, so that they can receive their certificates to teach. Um, then we would love um, to have them to uh, inquire about it. Um, but I just want you to know that um, you're much appreciated and I thank God for you. And Lord, we just pray that th- these individuals under the sound of my voice will continue to hear your voice and hear you as you speak to their hearts their minds, and their spirit, spirit to spirit. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And God bless you. May he keep you in the palm of his hands and know that no one can ever pluck you out of the palm of his hands. And for those who are listening on the Anchor Network, God bless you. 
And please listen out to join us again. This concludes our session. Have a blessed evening.